Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Each week, we sit down to watch an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Now, I've seen them all, but my good pal Matt has only seen up to the one we are covering. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 4, Episode 16, Deadlock. I'm disappointed with all of you. Here you all are. I'm gone for three minutes, and you're lapping up Paula's icy pragmatism. There is a way to feed ourselves and the people from Dogsville. There is a way to bring hope to the lower decks, to the whole of this poor ship. There is a way to win. She thinks we can't get what we need. She thinks we can't get what we need. All we need is strength. All we need is strength and strength comes from within. We can get more guns. Better guns, bigger guns. And guns! More guns, bigger guns, better guns. And when we have those, we will win! Yeah! Yeah! Yeah. Matt, remember when Ellen Ty was awesome for an episode and then she became stupid Ellen Ty again? Ah, how mighty they fall. Oh, God. How far they go. What happened? You know... It makes sense, though, because you know what it was? She was just not in proximity to Saul. The boy, <laughs> the second they walk into the room each other, they just go horny, angry, crazy. Horny, angry, crazy. It, it is just like a thing. But um, what did you think of this week overall? Um, I like it. I did enjoy this episode. I'm not going to lie. It's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little bit of a weird it's episode. It's fucking weird. Um, it's a little bit fucking weird. I, li- um, I, li- I, I like mo- it, too, I, I, but it's got some... Uh, I mean, there's too many amazing moments for it to be bad, uh, specifically right. Michael Hogan. Yeah, I was going to say, performance-wise, character-wise, there's some really great stuff in here. Um, I would say the only weird stuff was some of the dialogue about love itself, acting as if it was like a a literal tether to life, and I got to plug you up with more love. I stopped loving them, they died. <laughs> there's a sure, sure. Weird moments Cla- like that. Classic uh, machine thinking. Wait, what's that? I said classic machine thinking. <laughs> I, I turned off the switch. <laughs> I am not showing you love. Therefore, your life force will terminate. <laughs> Fucking Cylons. Yeah. Some oddities here and there. Mm. Um, <laughs> and also, I, I, I am really wondering at this point. I, I, if this week really got me thinking again about just what the fuck Gaius is doing and where he's going to be at the end of this. I am, I am truly, I'm at a loss with that. I just don't know. I actually enjoyed uh, him in this episode this week, and I enjoyed you know, the, the, some of the calculations he was making and Head 6 popping back up and uh, influencing things the way she does, although I am more confused than ever about Head 6 and the <laughs> nature of her. I think that's, that, is, that is my one of my biggest hanging questions where I'm like, boy, we, we are running out of time, and I really want to understand just what the fuck this is. Right. Uh, but it was good to see her. It was good to see her back in in uh, Gaius's ear. I dig it. There's yeah. We'll we'll get into the the details of the sure show, the, the oddities. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm thinking might be best to just slide through this one as it appeared on our screens. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So essentially, we this week we we open with the repairs on the Galactica being conducted by some familiar silent faces and well hairdos because they're probably stunned people. 
Um, <laughs> and Adama is just sort of walking around, hoping the Cylon gorilla grip works. Exactly. Hoping the Cylon goop that he slaps all, that he slathers all over his ship. He's like, well, I don't know if my wife's going to, I don't know if she's going to be too into me pulling out the old sex jellies. She might be a little I too. I need this sticky icky to hold my girl together. <laughs> this old girl might be a little too conservative when it comes to Cylon goo getting smushed into her crevices. But uh, <laughs> I guess. The old Cylon necklace. Yep. Looks like oil running down a sidewalk into cracks, if you ask me. But um, <laughs> but it's fucking cool. It's too. The idea so of that cool. technology is awesome. Just a, a, some a level of resin power, you know, strengthening, hardening the the steel so much that it can withstand space and blasts and fuck. It's just goop. Right on. Um, awesome. It, and then and then we kind of set up right here. You know, this healthy baby. How Saul is happy, and of course, you know. It wouldn't be Saul Ty if somehow, somewhere, some way, Ellen Ty didn't just throw a monkey wrench into everything. And this is very reminiscent, reminiscent, re- reminiscent to me. There you go. Thank you. When <laughs> uh, when Ellen first shows up and throws him into a tilt a whirl, yeah. right? Way back in the Absolutely. season, whatever yeah. it was. But um, yeah, and this this intro of her, uh, you know, the the, the bogey Dreadus detected a ship thought lost years ago or a year ago. Um, a bunch of revelations right up front. The Cylon goop, Caprica 6's healthy baby, which is apparently going to be sired by Saul Tai. Um, a bogey on a ship that's been presumed lost for a year. The close air patrol or combat air patrol, excuse me, is uh, has Cylons in it. Um, now, this is something we should probably talk about because I talked a lot about what I thought was probably a bit of a writing slip up to assume that this late into the game that very important ship captains with vital resources wouldn't have a relationship with Adama we've moved past that um right and and we in and we said I mean how how rebellious should the crew be we talked about all this with Gaiden and Zarek if Cylons are just sort of there kind of helping but now when you see him flying cap and doing all this other stuff it seems to have moved very rapidly like they're in your military ranks have they been properly debriefed? I feel like this is almost a tiny misstep in the show's writing, which is keeping me from a love and keeping me at a like. It's one of the reasons where in the past, this would have been treated with great care, nuggets, pilots being trained, the ready room, debriefs, discussions, and instead they just kind of slip it into us. And maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they're doing that because they want us to feel what, what maybe the revolutionaries are supposed to feel. And that is all of a sudden they're there. Maybe we're supposed to feel that way, right? Maybe that's why they, maybe that's why we got the abridged version of them suddenly flying cap with human pilots. Um, Right. And I also, I mean, for me, I I can imagine it being out of just absolute necessity at this point that the the need for it has gotten so dire that they are just truly short on pilots to even run full caps or, you know, and especially the repairs, you know, it, it was Galen who pointed out that, like, we're going to need the silence to even do some of these repairs. The bodies. Working with this particular technology, like, we're just going to have to have them on board doing this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the the times have just gotten harder, and I think we also see that with the opening where it's, interestingly enough, Caprica 6 is the one who goes down into the into Dogsville, into the lower decks. <laughs> Boy, don't you love how where all the pores are? They just call it Dogsville. <laughs> they are the shitty, stinky part of the ship. But uh, she's down there and gets assaulted because she's a Cylon. 
Uh, and yeah, the situation's gotten bad. I mean, we have hundreds, it looks like, people down in the lower decks who are are just reaching for food out of barrels provided by the Marines. Right. Like, a, you know, a bunch of refugees. It's fucking pretty, pretty dire. Like a bunch of filthy animals. Just light them up. <laughs> <laughs> just teasing. But uh, yeah, it's, and then you have the return of Boomer. You have a lot of antagonistic injection, injections into the fleet in a relatively short time. Right. Right. Uh, so so we're, love, we're presenting I lots love, of it. So go ahead, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, the moment where Tyrrell sees the ship go open up, and everybody, of course, is transfixed by Ellen. You know, sure. Rosalind even like, oh my God, it's Ellen Thigh. Like, She's, you know, in that moment, acknowledging that she's the fifth Cylon, she's the final five, uh, but then also just like, holy shit, she's back, you know, and she's the one who's thrown a wrench into so many of uh, our affairs throughout the years, and she's back again. Um, but I love that Tyrrell is tr- totally focused on on Sharon, on Boomer, and he recognizes that it is Boomer. It's not just an eight, it's not just another Sharon model, it's her, it's the one. And think about that for uh, just a minute, because he left her because... One of my kids, he said, when he was getting grilled by Sergeant Hadrian all that time ago. Ended up taking the fall, losing his career, and Adama dressed him down and said, this is your fault. I know it's your fault. And that was a really good, tense moment and a real direction changer for Tyrrell at that point, especially as it relates to Boomer, whom he then unceremoniously just dumped. And and if you think about the pretense of that dumping, it was because of Cylons. Now he is one and she's back. Talk about complicated. Yeah. And I'm also like, I, I get the, the tension between them both. But I'm also like, you don't really have too much right to be super pissed at this point. Uh, I think he was I mean, I happy to see her and he just didn't express it. Right. He, I, I think he just is scared to. Yes, that's a better way to say it. But uh, it, yeah. it, you know, I don't often feel... This show was never really built with this idea of like unrequited love, but I felt that little pang like, oh man, poor chief. And and now she's there and she's a rebel. And I started thinking, and we didn't even talk about her returning to the fleet. We didn't even talk about what might happen there. We kind of missed it. And, and I got, you know, little butterflies in my stomach for them. I was like, Ooh, wouldn't this be a nice way to reconcile things? I, I honestly, I'm really hoping so. Right. I think, right. The show is alluding to it, man. I mean, you know, to jump ahead, like one of the last scenes of the show, of this sure. episode, is, is you know, Tyrrell standing outside of the brig looking at her sleeping. Yes. And, uh, and just leaves her alone. Doesn't bother her. Doesn't try to wake her up. Doesn't leave anything. He just can't pull himself away from her though, at, now that she's there. And at the behest of Kara, who told him to do that <laughs> when they met in the right. bar, right? That was a really cool, cool scene. But yeah, you're right. He's so transfixed. And then, and of course, he first sees Ellen's legs, and then he's like, what the? And then now we've got this whole thing where Ellen is discussing that which, you know, that which is going on. And she says, listen, she tells, I believe it's Rosalind, Adam, and Saul about Cavill's plans to rebuild Resurrection. And, right. You know, and, and he and, wants all of the final five. And they're all struggling with her presence. They didn't like her anyway. Bill, as Bill has said most of the times, as Bill told Roslyn once, and I don't remember the name of this episode, he said, this wound rings out the worst in salt eye, right? Right, right. That's what she's fucking famous for at this point. And she's trying to appease their sensibility by saying, she being Ellen, instead of 50,000 survivors, imagine five. Like, how would that make you feel to have all of this ripped away when resurrection goes? Right. Right? Right. But also just the fact that, like, 
she at this point is the only person outside of Anders who's now unconscious who remembers all of these things mm-hmm. that she's she's in the the hot seat of having to explain not just her where she just came from and, and escaping Cavill and what's even going on with the other Cylons but also just remembering what the rest of the final five still don't sure uh, and and basically trying to hammer home these relationships that other people have never seen between these people. And that's got to be the weirdest part about the final five living amongst them at this point is somebody like Ellen who knows them from the past and is like, ah, oh, all those years we spent researching on earth. Right. And they're like, <laughs> I don't, I barely know you. I know you as Saul's wife. Right. <laughs> like who, who right. the fuck are you? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Ellen, Ellen's so good in the beginning. I just, I don't like the soap opera ish de evolution of her behavior in this episode. But in the beginning, I still think she's great with her. And I don't mean the actress. I just mean the direction they went with the dialogue and, and, and how yeah. she was going to behave. But I like that she still has this maternal way about her. It's, there's, there's, you know, she could play a, 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 like a Greek deity, you know, like she has the presence and it's a cool, like, it's a cool dress she's wearing and she just sort of floats around the room. Oh, Anders and this person and oh, Tyrell and. It, you know, it really works. It's cool to see that moment where they're all just kind of looking at her. And, and even powerful and beautiful and, and, and of course, super formative, formidable people. Like, we've talked about Trisha Helfer and Six and her formidability and how intensely powerful it is. And how yeah. to soften her, she's doing lots of smiling and, and lots of, and, and lots of uh, exacerbation and fear in this scene. It, it almost takes that edge off to allow Ellen to shine. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Because, I mean, she is, we get from with her the reaction of just a, a regular Cylon yes. to seeing one of the final five. Yes. Which is, you know, almost like a quasi-deity to them. Right. Um, and she just waltzes into the room, you know, the, the last of the final five. You know, the first creator even, really. Yeah. But um, I love, you know, <laughs> I love the other side. I, I love watching the maternal concern and then of course Rosalind probably doesn't love this whole thing but I love this whole fucking power shift like it's it's wild or, or so it would seem it feels like a power shift right wait from who to who just now that all of the Cylons are there and they are together you're like ooh wait a minute this yeah, like what are we facilitating by letting you guys get together Right, absolutely, and 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 them just all being there and being together, and and knowing Ellen's effect on Ty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. They literally leave the room, and she just fucks his old brains out immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't help herself, and he can't either. And now, as much she as rides the, him to the glory, show, dude, ride <laughs> table surf. Meanwhile, your your baby mom's got pregnancy pains. <laughs> God, <laughs> Ty, such a fucking ladies' man. Had no idea. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> but no, the other the interesting thing about this episode is I'm kind of of two minds of it because there are moments where I was like, ah, this is a lot of weird, lovey, weepy talk for Battlestar. Like, I'm, I'm not really used to it. But then, like we were saying at the top, like, I actually do really like seeing this side of, of Ty and the, the, the nature of the relationship between Ellen and, uh, and Saul because of the fact that they they can truly be cruel and mean to each other and extremely callous, but they never, even in those moments, stop loving each other. It's very real. Yeah. 
I mean, literally across thousands of years at this point. Right. So, I mean, I liked, I liked watching that play out, that, that they returned to each other constantly, no matter what. Like, even after being dismissed, they, they return. They just seek each other out. It's an odd, That's, like, destiny thing, huh? Yeah, like, in that way, it's kind of beautiful. I kind of sure, love it. Sure, sure. I get but, that. But, but then there are these moments later where they're, you know, they're talking with Coddle and, you know, as the baby is starting to have issues, the dialogue gets a little wonky. Right. I think, the, the, it's, I think it's a question of idea versus execution. Mm, right, right. But um, it, while this all is going on, Gaius returns to his flock, as he said he would, and his people are over the moon with the exception of Paula, the hot one. <laughs> starting to see through his shit a little bit. And has assumed a leadership role. We were wondering if you were coming back. I mean, why don't you get defiance towards the cult leader, who's, by the way, got eyes for this fucking milf. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, hello. Is your child starving? I swear on to feed him and I'll plow the shit out of you. <laughs> oh, God. It just stinks off of Fuck, it. Fucking sm- I mean, look at her. Oh, yeah. Your kid's the cutest. <laughs> Fucking kid's stupid looking. Look at his dumb little face. I'm <laughs> I'm teasing. Ugh. Kid's fine. <laughs> but mom, yeah. Mom, mom's making, he's, he's moving in on mom. Let's be real. He's like, oh, the cult's getting a little shifty. I mean, maybe mother over here needs me a little more. And, and, you know, he's a little shaky at first. He, you know, she says, you know, we now, we can now protect our food and we've managed to take care of ourselves. And guy says, well, that's why I stayed away to ensure you could. Right. And, and all of this <laughs> yeah, shit. Some- that is some grade A Gaius off the top of the head bullshit. Oh, big, right that there. is classic Gaius Baltar. Uh, oh, yeah. I stayed away as long as I did so that you would understand you all have the power within you. Yeah. I definitely wasn't just running away from all this bullshit. Yeah, 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 man. But, you know, this is him doing his thing and him saying, well, I guess uh, I don't know what we're going to do. I guess I'm going to feed you. <laughs> but um, I mean, food's getting pretty scarce down here. It's not good. It's like a. Pretty regular riots are happening, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm starting to wonder because of this episode if uh, Six is trying to implant the idea into Guy's head of maybe you should just off Paula. That's the way. When when Head Six is looking at her, that's the the glint I see in her eyes. Yeah, she she is. She's also in, in in maybe it's a metaphorical offing her, meaning cut her head of power off because she's established in power amongst this group. And he really needed to wrest control of it with his big bombastic speech to sort of set things right, right? There's definitely that. But, uh, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Well, well, we can wrap up on the guy's shit. It's fine. I guess, yeah, there's not a ton of that, true. Um, But, yeah, the main thing that we see here is, you know, when they go down and he gets to see how much worse the situation's got and go a little bit of milf cruising, finds the lady, finds the little boy, and, of course, his name is Gaius, which really starts to... Now I actually have empathy for a child. <laughs> I can actually see. I can see that they do have a soul. <laughs> but he sees how bad the situation is. And to a degree, you know, I actually do believe him here that if nothing else, he wants to to at least be able to give some of the food they have. Because they do have a fucking shit ton of it stockpiled. Uh, yeah. Massive crates of it they have, you know, stowed away. And he's like, well, they should have food. Why should all the children? How could you enjoy any of the food we have if the children are starving? Also, here's my number, lady. Mm-hmm. I like Guy's admission that he enjoyed giving. Loved it, actually. Mm-hmm. And this is something they don't want you to talk about. They, they being the altruistic people who remind you of all of the wonderful good things they've done in the world with their charities, right? 
<laughs> and I know this is going to get really dark and I know I'm really cynical and I apologize, but I'm sorry you're this far in. You should know this by now. But just the idea of, and, and, and again, I'm not discounting the net benefit of what happens when somebody does good things, but there is a part of them that feels great about helping people. And that's not a flaw, but that feeling is yeah. a motivating factor, right? Definitely. Which yeah. means the way you feel as a result of your deed, right, mm-hmm. is why you're doing your deed. <laughs> if you didn't feel anything, you wouldn't, right? It's <laughs> certainly a huge part of it. I it's mean, a I can huge just part of it. I, I, I guess my point is I don't know if altruism exists unless your name is Jesus Christ. But <laughs> now we're getting a little too I mean, I can imagine <laughs> witnessing just the need for it and understanding you have the solution for it and just going, oh, I can, I can the fix logic. that. I can make that better. Totally. You know, there's the logical uh, of, you know, assumption there of like, I can fix this problem in front of me. But you know the somebody. types. You know the types. <laughs> the ones who just get off on it. Like, yes. <sighs> Charity. Uh, those are the ones you got to look out for. Those are the ones you got to look out for. Like, listen, I love discussing the character of Guy Spaltar, the way he's written, the way he's acted. But the reality is, if you found this guy at the head of a charity, you'd go, oh, I see what's going on here. Uh, with a bunch of women pulling at his lapels. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, he fucking stands right. Oh, ladies, it's not about me. With, a bunch, of, with a bunch of fucking eights and nines around him. <laughs> Sharon's? Wait, what? <laughs> a, bunch of, a bunch of Minnesota eights and nines. A couple, couple of real, <laughs> couple of real slam pigs in there. But um, <laughs> I just want to give. It makes me feel so good. Nothing uh, to Ooh. everyone. Yeah, okay. Get it, dude. <laughs> but very quickly on the uh, the first day, they actually go out there to give food. Uh, the sons of Aries just come by. Uh, we got bigger guns. Also, that dude looks like Ugh. Captain America's buddy from the fucking Avengers movies. The 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 guy with the metal arm. What's his fucking name? Winter Soldier. Oh yeah. When he walked up, I was like, "Is this is this Winter Soldier guy? <laughs> you, you're gonna have the the Soviet arm." <laughs> Oh shit! The red I, really wonder, I really was wondering if this was him before he made his big break. I don't know. <laughs> it's not. I don't think it is. Too funny. But no, it's um, it, it's so funny. It, again, it, <laughs> this is this is hilarious. The 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 ludicrousness of them just thinking they're going to defend themselves. They're all so soft. <laughs> now, Paul Lesso. Paul has done some killing. So remember in the bathroom. Wait. Remember. When Gaius, Wait, remember, Paul hasn't, hasn't Paul done some killing? Gaius was in the bathroom. They were going to cut his throat and shit. Oh, fuck. That was her, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. She's a fucking tough, tough lady. But the, by the way, the, the rough crowd that shows up, I am 100% confident if you turn your gun on the guy with the long hair and the goatee and you just turn his face into a canoe, everyone else <laughs> leaves. Everybody drops them. By the way, the way they pull their guns out, I think is almost comical. Like they're, like they're making it, it's so unthreatening. They're like, they're, she's almost saying it like, I found this under your bed. I found this gun <laughs> under your bed. And the way she holds what it. What does it do? What are you doing with this? What even is this? I'm going to throw it. <laughs> throw it at him. What is this? Is this some sort of knife or some sort of video game or something? What even is this? God, <laughs> you're so embarrassing as a son. <laughs> Like they, 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 they just like, it's like, here it is. God, you, yeah, you're right about Paula holding it out. Like, uh, yeah, I have this gun. I right, found it. Right. It's really goofy looking. It really stood out to me. 
<laughs> and the bad guys are the, she, the bad guys are so <laughs> unscary. They look like children to me. <laughs> I think it's also because she knows, like, ah, we're not fending this off. Like, uh, yeah, uh, she, yeah, yeah, here's my gun. We're all fucked. And they just take the <laughs> shit and walk away. It's funny. That's it. The sons of Aries, the same guys who fucked up their temple. Sons of Aries have been bad news, man. How have not been stamped out yet? It seems like there's a shortage of uh, Marines. Yeah. I was reading a little bit about a, a deleted scene that actually expands on this more, like the situation here down here, that they've gotten to the point where they only have a handful of Marines on duty to like give out food and hold hold the security down there. And it's kind of just, it's starting to become essentially lawless down there. Yeah. So that's also what leads us, I, I think, towards the end of the episode where, you know, it's, it's Six's whispering in his ear again that gives him the idea that we, for one, should just step up and I should be like offering protection and saying that we can do something. We can feed ourselves and we can feed others. We'll do it. We'll find a way and rally all the rest of his, you know, ladies around him to get him away from Paula, but then also to get back over to Adama and essentially allow, you know, Gaius's people to become the de facto guard uh, right. in Dogsville. Like, they are being supplied by the actual military. Smart. Smart move by God. Because if I'm, if I'm fucking Bill Adama, I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. I don't care who kills who in this one. <laughs> Make it a bloodbath. I don't care. It's just classic, like, let's just put a bunch of weapons in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> that is some fantastic American foreign policy. It always goes great. That, but that it almost feels like he's going, well, give him. Cause, cause this is what happens. You know, we might as well, like you said, rap on the guy stuff when, when it gets back to head sick showing up. Mm-hmm. It's funny how it's an interesting parallel. Head sick showing up for Gaius, Alan showing up for Ty, right? That's true. Yeah. Cause we haven't seen, we haven't, I feel like it's Boomer been a showing up for Tyrrell. <laughs> true. Everyone's returning to their, their Cylon. Right. And, uh, and this is where six is like, listen, tell them you think she's giving them hope. She's not, is she? And this is where her temporary leadership skills show that they, they lack the power and the gravitas of Gaius. Gaius has power over these people. And what's funny is that it seems like she may be a better practical leader than him as far as like just rallying people to get certain things, get things done, like just a material-focused, pragmatic leader. I mean, he even kind of says it. He's like, her icy pragmatism. Icy pragmatism. (laughs) Which I'm like, that's so true. It's so opposite of you, who's essentially a a big grand speechifier with not a ton of follow-through. Right. He gets lucky. He gets lucky a lot. Which is which oh, is so part of what makes him compelling, even to educated people. You know, it's like it's like the whole David Koresh thing. Like brilliant minds that were with him in that in 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 that compound were like, I can't explain certain things that happen as a result of things he does, and I am a fucking professor. That's why I'm here. You know, like mm-hmm, it's right. it's that wacky shit that sometimes happens where people get lucky, or you read into things, or a combination of charisma reading into things and luck creates the perfect circumstance for something like this to, to be bred in it. In, 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 in yes, you know, it, it's almost like Paula, Paula's icy pragmatism is very much, it, it's almost like I am the den mother and I'm keeping these people safe in a pragmatic sense, but, but it's they're not, not inspired. They're not. Yes, absolutely. Dude. They are not inspired to live beyond. We're going to reach into buckets for millet and we're going to poop in fucking <laughs> buckets and we're going to huddle in the corners and hope the sons of Aries don't fucking steal from us and rape us all. You know, they don't have, they don't have a deeper meaning to their existence. It's uh, 
and this is a very common uh, thing here. It's right. It, it, he does. I'll admit. I, 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 you made me think about it. Like he does give them purpose by giving them this mission. That like we can be guardians for these people. We can do something. Like mm-hmm. it gives your your life some more meaning. Right. Something to look forward to. Because, yeah. but because you can't have people think like this is it. This goes back to a lot of discussions we had quite a few years ago regarding The Walking Dead, which was always, you know, the beginning of the show is going to be all about trying to survive, trying to eat, trying to keep moving, trying to get to a spot. But then you start to get to a point as thing as this becomes normal, where you have to just live your life, and survival becomes not enough. You need some sort of purpose, right? Right. Some reason to keep some going. reason to keep going, and, and then you just start to exist. It's it reminds me of uh, all of these stories you hear about these war torn Middle Eastern towns where this fucking market bazaar is routinely destroyed, and then f- fucking four days after it's destroyed, the guy's back out there, you know, hawking his wares, and somebody's right out there buying them with in mm-hmm. in in the rubble of a destroyed spot because they have to continue to fucking live. And that's a really extreme real-life example of something we're talking about in the television world. But the point is made, and that's purpose matters a lot more than, like, icy pragmatism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool, man. He does inspire them. He whips them into a fervor. It does. Classic Gaius move. And that's what, what I find so compelling about Gaius is knowing that because he is a human being that's written well, that we know that... There are times where he might truly do, he does feel like giving and where he does truly feel remorse, where he does truly, you know, maybe in a moment offer himself for sacrifice, even though if he thinks about it for too long, he might regret it. Well, at the same time, also having a cowardice to him, having uh, this ability to protect himself and bail and, and shift blame and frame and like, yeah, it, it, that's, I think... That's one of the compelling aspects of him. And, and, and it makes us as viewers, for the most part, not all of us, just kind of go, man, I wonder, we never, like, I can tell you I, I'm certain. I mean, nobody ever knows. That goes without saying. Nobody ever knows that nobody thinks or feels ever, even though we <laughs> think we do. But I'm pretty sure I know what Tal, Sai Tal, uh, Salt High is thinking. I'm pretty sure I know what Bill Adam is thinking in any given moment or Lee or fucking, uh, you know, take your pick. But with guys, I'm like, man, what, you know, what is it? Is he of two minds? Is he thinking, you know, like it's fascinating. That's, he doesn't, he never bores me, mm-hmm. right? And I, I definitely, at this point, kind of building off of that, I don't know where, like, that's what I was saying at the top with guys. Like, I, where is he going to be in the end of sure. all this? Like, sure. I, I feel like I even wonder sometimes if, if the show at this point has lost a little bit of sight of like Gaius's connection to the bigger picture. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think, I think that's one of the biggest flaws of this episode is the very convenient method of suggesting Hera is kind of irrelevant now because it was such a big deal. The visions were such a big deal. And I will tell you right Right. now that this stuff did at this point in this show become a complaint. Ah, And that's legitimate. That's legitimate because it's like, well, we just kind of forgot about it. We just kind of, where the fuck is Hilo? I haven't seen him in days. In episodes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It feels different when we're going week by week. It would feel even crazier to be like, I haven't seen Hilo in two months. But going, wait a minute, didn't didn't Hilo get the last time we saw him? He got cracked really fucking hard. He got whacked in the head, knocked unconscious. He did. Our our guy. Is Hilo fucking dead? (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Oh, you didn't hear that funeral screen off screen. You have to watch the webisode. 
Oh yeah, I've read the webisode <laughs> where where we see <laughs> Athena weep over him for an hour. <laughs> well, Saltai plays chopped up into five minute pieces. <laughs> well, Saltai plays bagpipes. Amazing <laughs> Grace wailing Amazing Grace on the pipes as they shoot him on a fucking torpedo tube. He was the most silent. <laughs> he loved all the silence. <laughs> he had to have. Yeah, it's, it's only on the website, though. You got to watch it on the website. Yeah, you got to put the special code in, dudes. And then when you get to the website, it'll have the corners cut off. Isn't that awesome? Ugh. <laughs> Knock it off, you fucking <laughs> bastards. Ah, <laughs> 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 that's fun, right? We're having a good time. But no. <laughs> oh fuck! Fuck me. Anyway, um, but yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess I'll my my let's let's last of my let's wrap for, him for up Gaius. with him talking Adama because I really like his speech. I wrote the whole thing down. Wait, his speech to who? Adama. His plea. Oh, oh, his speech. Plea is a better way to say it because yeah. Again, this is another one of his strong points because there are times where he could say everything and no one's going to listen to him. It's true. But he says right here, think, he's, here's what he yeah. says. Let me lay, mind if I lay it on you? Lay it down. What you have right now is starving civilians with no representation and no recourse. They are broken and exhausted. They've had enough. That's not a mutiny, that's a revolution. Galactic is slipping away from you drop by drop. You're pouring Cylon blood into her veins. I see the Cylon, he said that because he knew it would bother Adama. I see mm-hmm. the Cylon pilots in the workforce. Where are they going into the far recesses of the ship. When are you inviting the Centurions over to join in all the fun we're having here? When you do this, this becomes a blended ship, only half human. And right now I'm here to tell you, your people are not ready for that. Listen to me, Admiral. I'm offering you the last human solution you will ever be presented with. Now, cool speech, but I got to be honest with you. I watched it three times and I scratched my head to go, and and I'm going to be really dumb because I'm sure you know the answer. I don't know how it's relevant to getting weapons. Ah, like how how it's how, like it's almost like he's a human solution. He, it's almost like he's making a plea to keep the silence off the ship. Like I, I don't understand. Like it's really cool, but I'm I think I'm just being really obtuse on this. Like, have you ever done a thing when you when you just like if you go to sleep and get up the next day, suddenly it just becomes clear. <laughs> yeah, like something definitely. in school, or you worked on something, or some sort of crazy edit you had to do or, or some kind of thing you tried to figure out with a new piece of fucking audio equipment. I, I had to do that once. I'm like, I got to go to bed. And then the next day it just made so much, I just exhausted my brain. And I'm not even exhausted, but I'm like, what am I, like, it's real. Like, I get, what What are you saying though? What, what? I I took it as essentially like the, the, the situation on the ship is shifting so much and people are already in such a like bad place and, and destitute. And that I want you to give us all implied, weapons. <laughs> What's that? That I want you to give us a bunch of weapons? <laughs> well, I think you meaning it in that we can help keep order down there because it's already getting so bad. Like the Marines okay. aren't really able to do it. All right. And All yeah, right. they're not down there. And he's like, what do you, and I think he's kind of only making, bringing up the Cylons to be like, what are you going to do? Like bring in Cylons and Turians? Like that's obviously a terrible idea okay. right now. All right. All right. Um, the, thing, the thing that bugged me about it on my first watch was like, it seemed at first, on my second watch, I didn't feel this way as much. But at first, I was like, "Are you kind of playing up some sort of like Cylon racism of like we can't let the Cylons be on <laughs> here?" But I think, I think in truth, he's he's kind of saying it more from the point of view of the other people, like in Dogsville, of saying that they are not going to want that because I'm like, if, if anybody 
you know, at this point, any of the humans has a better understanding of the Cylons' perspective and being around them and not just seeing them as the faceless enemy. I'm like, it really should be Gaius. Like, you've spent time on their base stars. You've, you've fucked them, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, so like, and, I, and he's also, with very deliberate, some deliberate sentences in that whole piece, he's oh, really yeah. trying to manipulate the guy that he needs to manipulate to get what he wants. And he's using stuff like, oh, bring this. He knows how Adama has felt in the past about the Cylons. Right. And he's playing into that. Right. Playing into this idea of like, we all see that there's Cylons working on the ship. You're you're trying to hide that from us. You know, like you don't think we have noticed. And it's like, of course he knows you've noticed. And of course it's worse on him than anybody. Mm -hmm. He can't, he can barely stomach it. Right. So good play. You got your box of assault weapons that no one knows how to use. Yep. That he drops the magazine out of immediately. And that Paula looks extremely, uh, I'd be pretty suspicious of her holding that uh, weapon. Looking so, so ecstatic to be holding a huge gun next to guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Concerning. Yep, totally. But um, anyway, good stuff. Uh, let's talk, let's get back to some of the Ellen stuff. Let's get back to Ellen's petulance, as it were. Let's get back to this whole fucking Pearl Harbor plot. You see that dumb movie? Oh, I have absolutely seen that. Oh, it's fucking terrible. But what is the plot from that that resonates here? (laughs) Uh, Well, him fucking another girl because you were thought dead and now you're back. Oh, yeah. Dude, I forgot that whole aspect of the movie. It's fucking brutal. It's brutal. You fucked Josh Hartnett in a bunch of sheets? (laughs) How dare you? How fucking (laughs) dare you? How fucking dare you? I'm Will Hunting's friend. (laughs) I smashed concrete to get here. Anyway, but no, it's um, get back in time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's just like, oh, oh, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I love how she plays like she's gonna be cool about it at first. Like, oh, who else? I know. It? It's okay. I've you yeah. thought I was dead, and then as soon as she's like, well, it was a six. She's like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the top of the line. <laughs> option <laughs> the best the hottest child we made it's like waltzing into a honda dealership he's like what you been driving and you're like a oh, fucking jaguar why oh okay well, well we got some nice options over here <laughs> you like an optima <laughs> <laughs> ah shit that's dark we have the VTEC engines um, <laughs> but no it's a uh, car a little bit of car yuma for the car yuma people but anyway, yes, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, she's going to be all cool about it. And then she's like, oh, oh, you knocked her up, did you? Isn't that kind of like incestuous? Like, come on. Yeah. She's the one who really starts bringing that whole idea home. She wants to be, I mean, to me, that really does. It's a shift to it. It's a shift, but also it speaks to her, her deeper desire to be a mother. Like she sees the Cylons as her children. Like she talks to me, she's like, yeah. you guys are our children. You're our children. That's why she thinks it's so especially gross for Saul to have have fucked her. But I'm like, that's so unfair because for one, yes, he also thought you were dead. Like that, he thought she was dead until probably he realized that she was the fifth Cylon. He's probably been waiting for this day. Um, but on top of that, he. But even though, <laughs> even after you know, he already thought she was dead and gone. He didn't know that they made these Cylons together. Right. Like he had no idea about any of that. That's like the most recent information that had that came to him yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's been banging this woman for like two, three months. 
Wait, no, like five months. What am I saying? She's like five months pregnant. And and the other thing too, man, you don't think you don't think some fucking badass little Japanese scientist in Kyoto isn't gonna fuck his sex doll after he makes her? Come on, <laughs> come on now. That's just Made not this being top realistic. Of the line. I have to try it out to test it for its ability. <laughs> I'm thinking of installing a PlayStation in her back. Sorry, but um. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not fair. It's, this isn't, they're not birthing these people. Right. But also, I mean, like, it's, it's, this is their relationship. This is who they are. Like, they, they are at each other's throats, like, all the time. Just, they have, like, too much passion for one another. They're so jealous of one another. My hope was when the memories came back, like, this would kind of subside against their greater ancient nature. You know, so part of me wants to analyze, like, why are we going this route with them? Like, what are they just saying there that despite the fact that they're the final five, that it's just another reminder that they're just like us because they're slipping into these old habits? You know, is that is that what they're trying to say? If they are, it's effective. It's just a bit, it just is a bit grating. I'm like, ugh, God. Well, actually, you know, I think that's an interesting question because can a story disappoint us on purpose i mean sometimes i think that is a part of it that maybe it's like that we are disappointed by what the final five turn out to be and that kind of is the point that like yeah they're they are just flawed essentially mortal beings who found a technological way to achieve immortality and but they still have all the same emotional impulses and instincts and desires and you know, contradictory desires. I think, yeah, I think the show at large has been setting us up for that with all of these look-ins on the Cylons and the Cylon Rebellion for a long time. Um, I, right. I, I, so to, to, in a simpler sense, I definitely agree with that premise and I do think it is often a good premise. I'm just saying like the, the, it just, it just was like, I don't know. No, I agree. I think especially after the last I'm talking episode, more about it's... Ellen than I am the rest of them too. Right, right. When I think after the last episode in particular with Ellen being this this total antithesis like elegant. of elegant, like yeah, yeah, this elegant, like stable, you know, solid person who, you know, as Cav- we see Cavill raging in that episode, yes. and she's the one like kind of standing against it. Calm. I've seen neutron stars, bitches. <laughs> because of my jelly eyes, I couldn't see them all. <laughs> you put these, you gave me these fucking marmalade eyes. That's such a good speech. <laughs> I fucking love it. Uh, but no, yeah, she's so graceful in that episode. To see her return to a much lower, angrier way of being is, uh, it is just kind of like, well, uh, shit. Gross. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. I, I, I think that's, I think your assessment is fair. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this, this, uh, all of this strife is wild because it leads to, you know, it's funny. I'm going to talk on both sides of my mouth now. Because Ellen manipulating the vote and highlighting Saul's admiration and love for Bill strikes me as something that she would do because it is a little more subtle than some of the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, but but I do like that whole scene. I like the whole vote scene. Essentially, you have all of them discussing what's going to happen. Tori wants to go. Tyrrell wants to go. But Anders does yeah. not. He made that clear. And Saul does not, leaving Ellen the split vote. Here we go. Fucking right. Tory back in politics. Oh, Tory. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think it was uh, uh, T Dog, a listener comment, who said, "Yeah, oh Tori, always obsessed with racial purity." <laughs> it's fucking true, though. She's the one hammering on this whole idea of like we can have a pure Cylon, you know, uh, existence now, pure Cylon colony. I'm like, bitch, you didn't know you were a Cylon until like eight months ago. That's funny. Now you're the one calling for the for the <laughs> decent, you know, segregation. Yeah, just there, they're spatting amongst the final five. I, it's just there's something. I don't know. It was, it was like, I was like, all right, all right. Did we get it? But, um, <laughs> but no, it was, um, it was her just saying, well, I'm going to bounce from this and her just laying it down. It just, just cruelly. She's trying to hurt Saul more than she is six, but hell hath no fury like a Cylon woman scorned by her Cylon <laughs> lover, man, from thousands of years ago. Right, right. And I think, I mean, I do think she just wants to pull away from, you know, the turmoil of the human situation, too. Just to be like, let's let's regroup and figure out who, you know, you guys still don't even remember who the fuck you are. Like, let's go ahead and just handle all of this. I think I think that's definitely a part of it. But at, I think a bigger part of it is trying to stab at Saul. Yeah, like that's totally, that really totally. Is the thrust. I think she knows what she wants to do, ultimately. But I do like this. I Because like, the, the idea is we're going to go. This is, we, we want us, we want to survive. We are, there was something special about us being the 13th tribe and Eleanor reminds him that Harris hoped for the blending of humanity, but that's when Tori says, oh no, 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 different plot line. Now, let me ask mm-hmm. you this question. With the untimely demise of Saul and Six's baby, does Hera become important again? See, yes. When we were talking about this earlier, that was in, was in the back of my mind of like, well, in this moment, well, <clears throat> not even exactly in this moment, I think it's a later line from Saul where he talks about it's the blending of human and Cylon that is the hope. Good lines, that, you know, yeah, we, good lines. It, it's right. There's some really good dialogue there where, where they're talking about like it was the purity of humans on their own side and the purity of Cylons on their own side that led to this cycle of like destruction and, and extinction over and over. Maybe it actually is the blending that, that makes them matter. And for, for me, I was like, yeah, finally, that that. Seems to make sense. You want to break this cycle of essentially humans creating Cylons that destroy them, that go on to destroy themselves, and on and on and on. You would have to find a way to to blend them together to live in some sort of harmony. Sure. And with her, yeah, with the the pure Cylon baby dying, it it made me think. Well, yeah, that Hera is the the correct option. You know, I mean, and then the other option I'd- becomes is that simply just a mishap. I mean, it's hard to oh, say course, as yeah. it's the first try. Right? Yeah. We don't know. We, uh, damn. Well, we had one 63-year-old man give it his best go, and it didn't work out, so we're just going to have to call it for our whole race. <laughs> Fine. That's, my, that's the kind of what I'm saying. You're saying it in a more funny fashion. But it's like, maybe that's not, maybe not all hope is lost at this point. You could just, you know. Well, I, I, am, I am more excited about the idea of them embracing somehow. And maybe that's even leads into the literal finale <laughs> the of the one series. season plot line, you mean, that they, that they appear to be pulling the ripcord on. Yes, I hope they, <laughs> I hope way, they we stick, gotta get back into it. I hope they stick to it too. Well, just that, yeah, the idea of humanity and Cylons finding a way to literally evolve together. Uh, physically, yeah, I'm like that's that's an interesting idea. That would be a very cool horizon for the show to end on. Um, and so, I, in a way, I'm I'm glad. I I never thought I'd say it, but um, I'm glad that baby died. Fuck him. <laughs> we need the other baby. The other baby's the hope of the future. <laughs> you can't expect me to juggle two baby plot lines, do you? Too many babies. That's just one. Ba- that's one too, baby per show. That's too Sorry. much for one writer to to bear. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
All uh, right. Where are we? where are we in there? Well, I say we discuss the um, uh, Ellen visiting Caprica Six. It's a good scene, and she's like, Ooh, "I yeah. fucked Saul," but but don't worry because he definitely loves you. Hence the pregnancy, and this is some of that goofy shit. But that Ellen is, is kind of is. being catty, but at the end she does say sometimes love must not be enough because he loved you, and she says you win. The man loves you. There isn't much he loves more. Okay, for me, a couple things here. I for one, I was like, damn, that is some that is some lady mean shit of just like, <laughs> oh, he didn't tell you about the sex. I'm like, oh, you are being a bitch and you know it. Um, but but I I also both really like the fact that she does i i interpret it at least as you know, genuinely being kind of magnanimous and being like look this is the situation now and he loves you and and that's okay and you know we're, i'm not going to try to disrupt that and you know basically being like we're here for this baby as as well like mm-hmm. okay and i and I, I believe that she that she means that but also as far as the episode goes this is the beginning of the dialogue about love getting kind of weirdly concrete if, if that makes any sense of yeah. like someone would be like ah well he loves you more therefore the baby took like therefore the sperm worked in your body correctly because he loves you yeah it's, he didn't it's, love me enough for the sperm to grab you know the sperm didn't have a good finger hold on my on, on the egg with me because he did he just didn't love enough he didn't have enough you know love grip right i'm like that's weird <laughs> that's a weird way to talk about it it is and it in, in, in not super surprising from a you know, kind of woo-woo mystical standpoint. Like, you know, I mean, it's just like, okay, you got to break out your crystals and, you know, next thing I know I'm doing some type of yoga that's like much different than regular yoga for some reason. <laughs> it's with jeans on. Uh, yeah, it's like, what? what is this, jort yoga? What's that about? You have to wear wet, hot jeans. You got to wear wet, hot jeans. It's the only way to get the chakra in your balls right. Okay. Like, <laughs> is that what it is? Or are, you just, or are you just creating a niche that you can exploit dummies with? <laughs> like, <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> I happen to like my jeans and I don't like taking them off. I happen to enjoy the physical benefits of yoga and I do like to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> off of dunderheads. <laughs> off of hoopleheads. Just come on in. Join my hygiene yoga class. <laughs> Get your t-shirt today. It's made out of denim. But um <laughs> it's hot and gross and stiff. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> so so yeah, you know, Gene Yoga Studio. But yeah, this this is the beginning. Concrete the love first- sperm, I, I, I guess. Yeah, this whole like, like <laughs> judging what baby takes and what woman by how much. Mm-hmm. Like, does Saul have to sit there and be like rubbing his temples? Like, I really love you. Oh, I'm feeling the love, and just that's when he blasts, and and it's like good high octane love sperm. You know, like he's that, got he's got he's got a fucking sixty uh, five inch plasma on the wall, and he's just looking at pictures of puppy dogs and shit while he plows there. So he's got all the love in his heart. Like what the fuck, man? I'm just so full of love. Uh, that doesn't say could, much. That doesn't say much for kids that happen accidentally when you're like, "Oops." Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say this whole idea of it doesn't take unless you have love is. Uh, I think there's a lot of angry teen moms out there who would say otherwise. <laughs> I sense from the great mystical beyond a great culling of the herd from the scythe of the grim reaper for all these unloved oops children. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> oops it just felt too good without a condom sorry yep that's the way it goes 
So anyway, um, yeah, it's goofy, right? Outside of the, like the magnanimous stuff, as you said, uh, is nice, but anyway, <laughs> uh, do you want to just pivot over to Ellen and Saul? Cause this is kind of comes on the back of that after some Saul while Saul and Bill get drunk, which is nice. The, you know, he talks, he talks about like my great grandpa was a sand, a power sander and they laugh and they muse about flying cap, Cylon's flying cap and we need their help. I need your help. And, and this moment, I think, really cements for Saul. He ain't fucking going anywhere. Right, right. I think that's a good. That's I a like. Good I really like this scene. And you're always fearful, like maybe this was never going to happen again. Once it was real, that Ty was a fucking Cylon. Right. Yeah. That the, their relationship would always be at a little more of an arm's length. Mm. Um, and it's cool to see that it, it's not. And it, and that to me makes perfect sense about them because it's a revelation, but it has no it doesn't change anything. Like he is yes. still literally the same guy. Yes. You know, he's looking at you yes. the same way, speaking the same way, comforting you, looking out for you, performing the same way. It's like, well then who cares? Like it would be, it would honestly, it would be just as weird as finding out that like your best friend in the world is like part zebra in some weird family tree. Like there's like a little bit of zebra DNA in them. And you're like, Oh what? That's how the hell did that even happen? Look at these, but also look at these like, t- it's just nothing. <laughs> look at this. Look at this travel itinerary. His mom had this place called the Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> no wonder he's, he's like, I am uh, the, the, my uncle, my great uncle was an experiment on the Island of Dr. Moreau. So my, I have a little bit of zebra DNA in me, but it's still me. My, my, my great, my great uncle had four legs that were striped black and white. Oh, could he run? Oh, could he All run? All I got now is a, is a pinky with one black stripe on it. You barely even notice it. I mean, it's almost out of the gene pool at this point. But it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, whoa, what a weird revelation. Also, it changes literally nothing. Like, okay, sure. well, that's that. Like, sure, and it's sure. cool to see them it's just awesome. play this out. Yep. Galactica needs the base ship, he tells his wife, right? I need your fifth vote, essentially. And Alan's upset about the whole sixth thing. Galen and the rest show up. Saul feels assailed. Um, this this kind of, we talked about this a little bit before. But um, when, uh, I, I guess we actually did cover that, right? Well, she, you know, is the one who's hammering in on this idea of like, oh, it's he he just won't leave Adama. He mm-hmm. won't leave this ship. He loves he loves them more than anything else, more than me. And it really has that mean cutting line of like, I always wondered if a baby would actually break it, but now I know it wouldn't. Right. Which leads directly to this stressful situation in which six goes down and we are in the infirmary with Cottle losing a baby in a very, very emotional scene. Wow. Yeah, Michael Hogan, yeah, boy, is Oof, this is super heavy stuff. Very heavy. It's awful. It's, it's, it's awful over here, man. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. She's great. They're all good. Yeah, it's, it's a great uh, scene. And again, the stuff that like as much as we go back and forth about like, oh man, Ellen and, and Saul, like, oh they're at each other's throats. They're making each other worse. Why would Ellen go back to being such a shit when we had such a you know a, a more refined version of her in just the last episode? But I got to admit, man, I really love this moment when when she's like, "Well, maybe I should, I should just go. Like, I shouldn't be here. I'm, you know, upsetting her and everything." And he's like, "Ah, oh, it's the most intelligent thing you've said yet." And then she leaves, and then within seconds, turns around, comes back, puts her hand on his shoulder, and he puts his hand on her hand. Like that's them. Mm-hmm. That scene, that moment, sums them up perfectly. Like totally. they may outwardly feel and even rage at each other in that way, but they. I mean, I'll admit, man, like it gets me. I'm like, they fucking love each other so for sure. much. For it sure. It's so pure. For sure. Let me ask you a question. We haven't really talked about 
what Caprica 6 may or may not think. We haven't spent a lot of time getting into what could possibly be her future. Um, Ellen says things like, there is the proof that that's the proof that you need, that he loves you more than me, as if this is something overly preoccupying her thoughts. We haven't really gotten much from her on what she's thinking, um, just because this is more dominated by Ellen this episode. So the question becomes, shortly after Ellen says this, this baby dies, illuminating this sort of rendering null, this idea like this beautiful baby is going to come into the world because of quote, end quote, love, which now we know isn't the case. So all that metaphysical nonsense goes up in the air. All of the fucking Gene Yoga short studio burns to the ground in this moment, basically. (laughs) So now we're left with wondering, what's Six going to think? What's this mean for Ellen and Six? Uh, uh, Ellen and Ty, what's this mean for Ty and Six? What, what do you, what are your thoughts here? Do you think, do you think that that this was the only connection they shared? Oh boy, yeah, that's that's a tough one, man. Because we can't forget either that. Well, I mean, it ha- it also happens the reverse way in this episode. But when when Saul first started, you know, having sex with Six, ah, yes, he kept Mental seeing porn. her. <laughs> yeah, he even admits it to Ellen here. He kept seeing her as Ellen. But then we get a moment of the reverse happening in this episode yes. where when Ellen's on top of him, she appears as six. And it, it, to me, it's almost like this split in him. It's like he's being truly pulled in either direction. And I'm like, ah, I don't, I really don't know where it's going to go. I'm almost like, are they just going to become a little triad couple? <laughs> Is that what's going to happen? I mean, they're Cylons. They can do whatever they want, right? Yeah, apparently. They can get freaky. It's true, go man. For it. I don't know. But I mean, as far as what what six wants, I mean... There, she really lured Saul into this place. Like she seduced him. Sure. So, so it seems as if she's the one who wanted this or wanted this relationship. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's tough to say. But I definitely, I'll, I'll say one thing for sure is that I never see Ellen being out of the picture with Saul. That just, I don't see that happening. Yeah, especially now. Now that she has come back from whence she came, as it were. <laughs> yet again to quote fucking Elrond but yeah it's like now that she is back it's almost like well now she's never going away I mean once it was now we have kind of this new character in Ty this much different man shattered by the war uh, the occupation as it were and and now she I mean he killed her I mean that showed you something about Saul Ty now she's back and it's like oh wait what how is this gonna go and now I think you're making a safe assumption by saying now they're now they're stuck till the end. I mean, there's just no fucking way. <laughs> That's Why it, bring man. it back just to offer again? I mean, what does that do to the Thai character if you do that? Well, and also, I mean, I still I, I'll admit it. I'm a sucker for it. I'm I'm in love with this whole this destiny thing about them. Sure, they have in a way. You know, I mean, she says it. She's like, you don't think I you you think I don't know your sexual repertoire after thousands of years of marriage with you? <laughs> like she figures out he fucked somebody else because he did something different while they were doing it. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. That's dope. Got that pussy radar. Mew. Fucking pussy Dratus. I'm picking up new techniques. <laughs> We've got a new thrust on the horizon. <laughs> Looks like we he's have. He's in angles. He's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, 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 oh, I see, uh, I see 2A7, Mark Karam 234, different types of hand gestures, uh, different types of hand play while having sex. Uh, all right. A different, a different type of aggression. So a little more desperation here. Uh, we have a, we have a pinky going forward on ground. It's never been. <laughs> oh shit. She could tell, man. She could tell. She could tell. But I love it. I love that about them. I love that they they are that connected. I mean, right. She returned again. They are together again. 
I can't see this. I can't. I I can't actually envision happening. Their, her splitting off and going with the other Cylons and leaving you know Saul to this. I'm like, you were bluffing. This that was a bluff. Right. Is my is my feeling of that. Right. For sure. Good stuff. Well, man, I got to tell you, outside of a couple of listener comments, which we'll get to, we've pretty much covered. There's one more scene I want to talk about, though, before we bounce, and that's uh, Rosalind talking to Six. Ooh, yeah. Because this is this this is about this is kind of the opera house thing that they're yeah, touching on. It's, it's about around. twenty minutes in, um, and she wonders of the baby and apologizes for the assault that she suffered. Uh, Rosin's apologizing to Six, of course. She wonders about the shared visions. They both realize that they hadn't had any visions since the pregnancy. And Rosin wonders how important the child is. And that's a mistake. <laughs> that's a mistake, right? Obviously, Rosalind Dude. fucks up bad here. Fucks up bad. Yeah, this is, she fucking puts her foot in her mouth because she's like, do you think this child is important in, to the mother of the child? It's in her womb. And she's like, yes, I think he's very important. Right. Asshole. Obviously she was trying to suggest something regarding the grander scheme and not in the cliched, all children are important thing. Right. 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 But still it's but a, it is yeah, fucked up. What, quite a miscalculation. Why, why show us this scene? What do you think this means? What do you think they, why did you want, why did we want to see Rosalind overstep in this? Is it because we are reminded by Rosalind's still nagging curiosity about all of the spiritual visions and quests she's had in her, in her whole life that seemingly she just, just abandoned that maybe not so fast. She didn't abandon them and they still matter enough to her to make this sort of social faux pas with this woman. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, I think you said it. (laughs) I think it's that right there that she wanted to be free of all these things but with this new complication of a new Cylon, pure Cylon child, I think that's what the, what perked her ears back up. I'm mm. like, well, well, then what does that mean? What does that mean for Hera? Because they also, I mean, I think another thing about this is that she risked a lot to keep Hera safe and had to lie and had to do some really awful things and, and real deception and treachery to keep that child safe and keep it secret. Sure. And I think there's some guilt lurking there too of like, did I do all that for nothing? <laughs> like, totally was that not. all? Totally. What was that for? Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's an interesting moment to observe Rosalind having a heart to heart with a Cylon who is a mother to be and watching Rosalind react to the misstep because once upon a time, she would have unhesitatingly airlocked this bitch. <laughs> Indeed. And I like that. And, and think of, you know, it's funny that we're kind of hammering Rosalind on this and you know, she fucked up, but think back to the treatment of Hera to the removal of Hera from her mother. And now where she is now still fucking up, but now she feels really bad about it. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Rosalind's starting to see them as people. That's huge. Finally. That's huge. Getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fucking six episodes. So figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta figure it out. But no, man, that, that's that's kind of the episode. That's that's pretty much everything that happens in most of our thoughts on it. Do you have any summaries or do you want to maybe springboard off of some of these comments? Honestly, we've got some really good comments. We do. I, I want to springboard off of those. All right. Um, let's go to Brian Campbell. Helen threw me off in this episode considering we saw an enlightened version of her post-reincarnation. I, I think I've echoed Brian's sentiments pretty well. He continues, she seems to be lacking understanding of Ty's predicament with the Capricorn 6 pregnancy. I mean, the poor bastard didn't know Helen was reincarnated and hitting the woman and hitting the home run with a 6. I shall, hence, to forth call her upgrade. I didn't take for long the old Helen to resurface is what I'm saying. 
And how is about a slow golf clap for Ty? Drop and see like a springtime farmer. Oh, we never talked about him crying with Bill. That was fucking huge, man. Yeah, uh, we should uh, talk about that. That's such a moment. God, what not a only powerful is, moment. Exactly. Not only is it two friends, you know, very old friends embracing and having this moment of caring about one another, but he, again, we talked about it a little bit that he's a Cylon. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty safe to say that Adama is past it at this point, at least with, with totally Ty, that dude, he puts a Cylon, C- dude, and he's, he's score and Cylon go into his ship. <laughs> and he also remember he was about to airlock uh Ty when he found out about him, not only being a Cylon, but having sex, right? With the six, <laughs> like he was ready to be done with him then. And now he's mourning for his lost Cylon baby with him. Wow. Liam, by the way, how classy. Yeah. Short for William. Damn. It's good stuff. That's yeah. It's a great scene. That's a really like, this is definitely Michael Hogan's episode. I think overall, I think he, he kills it this time around. Yeah. The last episode was Ellen's and this one, it is, it's salt eyes. Ah, he's fantastic here. All right. Next listener comment. I'm going to read from Mr. Christoph Novak. He's been leaving some very good comments. Christoph. Uh, he said, from the Czech Republic, he, if I think I'm correct. Oh. Pretty cool. So first of all, thanks for joining the page. Welcome. Um, you're, you're catching us late into this project, but it's ha- I'm happy to have you. And thanks for sharing your thoughts, buddy. Welcome. Definitely. And he says, what I find most interesting about this episode is how much Ty is growing. Whereas Adama visibly shrinks, preoccupied with Galactus' dire state and the measures he takes to repair her, Ty is as competent, steadfast, and supportive as he's ever been. Mm. Previously, there was always some but you could throw at Ty, but there's always some flaw that prevented him from being the perfect XO and friend, but now he has this clarity. Even Ellen's return doesn't mess with him internally as much as I'd expect. Of course, it messes up his life in a major way, but internally, mentally, I don't think Ty has been affected or distracted as he was, as distracted as he was, for example, when Ellen returned from the dead the first time in the episode Time Me Up, Time Me Down, sure. I believe. That's a great point. Um, it's a really good point because one thing I, I think I wanted to say about that is, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, that it, it really mirrors that episode. Uh, that when we, that even just the shot of the ship doors opening up and there stands Ellen, where, you know, way back, I think it was late season one or early season two. I can't quite remember. No, it was definitely season one. I think it was season one uh, when Ellen returns and they had all assumed that she had been gone and dead from the, on the colonies. And, you know, Ty is overwhelmed with joy by seeing her but then very quickly is like drawn back into not just being head over heels in love and, you know, spending time with her, but into being a fucking drunkard and like fucking everything up, not being where he's supposed to be on time and, and, you know, screwing things up. Like he he couldn't keep his head on straight once she was there again. And that's what Bill was worried about. Season one, episode nine. And a a great point by, uh, by our, our friend Christoph. Uh, Awesome. Uh, Because yes, it does. It is. It's, you know, the, the looming prospect of fatherhood changes somebody, right? <laughs> I think he's staying focused. He's staying more focused for something. And, and yeah. But I, I think it's, it, it says a lot about Saul, too, that his, uh, that his will to stay among, on the ship is as strong as it is with, you know, the fact that he is a Cylon. And he want, you know, the other Cylons want to leave because they don't feel safe on, on the Galactica because they feel persecuted. And he's saying, no, like, I'm sticking to this. My own wife... My own baby are not going to pull me away. And you know, I think the other thing I think that's impressive about this is remember the when in time me up, time me down, he's getting a revelation that his wife is alive and that he is a human man. Now he's different. Right. He's a final five, he has a different perspective. Her return means she's a Cylon that makes him probably question a few things. 
obviously he still cares deeply for her, like we've all pointed out thus far, but it is a different set of circumstances now, which does, to the commenter's point, show growth. Yeah, exactly. I think it mirroring that episode so closely, but being different in that respect, in Saul's reaction and his 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 ability to pull himself back from her influence a little bit, at least. I like like we've been hammering on this whole episode that she's they're extremely connected and extremely in love, and that's just that's who they are. But he's able to still you know keep his own will intact. Hmm. I think um, that, yeah, he's right. That's growth. T-Dog, I'm going to go right to his third paragraph. Galen being the first to decide that he wants to leave with the Cylons aboard the Star so soon after becoming the chief again. Mm-hmm. Dude, for me, that only has one answer, in my opinion. Go. That's the return of Boomer. Yep. Boomer's back aboard. He wants to leave. Yeah. I think it really fucking unsettles him. I, I mean, I, yeah, every, I, yeah. Every shot we get of him for the rest of the episode is him in turmoil about this. Do you think leave uh, away from her or leave with her? Because remember, ooh. she's at the behest of six and they, and, and it appears, well, they don't really have a choice because they're going to follow the five, right? So I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's actually a really good question. Um, I, I interpreted it as him kind of wanting to just get away from her, not wanting to deal with it. But you might be right. It might be more of an issue of that he doesn't want to allow himself to love her until they're away from the other humans mm. and not going to be, you know, persecuted for that. Pretty wild. Um, uh, T-Dog also pointed out human frailty in the, in, the, in the behavior of the final five as, you know, being quite human, as it were. Um, standout performances from Ty and Six. Uh, Baltar's attempt to wrestle back control of his cult from Paula was a nice subplot. The guy's rehab project continues. What was Capra Six doing in Dogsville anyway? That's a great, yeah, that's never <laughs> Dude, that, answered. I agree. <laughs> that's my question too, T-Dog. I'm like, aren't you fucking the XO of the, you can't get some crackers and tea? Apparently so there's the a, shit you need? apparently, because, <laughs> you know, this is the show now, there was a deleted scene because she wanted some holistic medicine for nausea. Ah. Uh, Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. You got JD Ibe or Ibe? Ibe? Yeah, Mr. JD Ibe. Uh, the tender moment when Ty expresses how he doesn't have to say the words, he just has to feel and they'll know is outstanding. Yeah, that's really good. I fully fucking agree. Me too. Yeah, fully agree, J.D. It's excellent Uh, and beautiful. He said, uh, you'd never guess this hard-ass XO can be such a sweetie pie papa. He's sweetie pie Ty. The episode (laughs) prior, no exit, Cavill shares to Ellen in angry frustration his obsession to live beyond his flesh-trapped created body in order to feel more entirely the wonders of the universe. And like an opposing yet complementary theme, here again we witness uh, through Ellen, Saul shares his deep feelings beyond his programming. Cavill's being selfish, hateful, and destructive. Saul is being selfless, feeling love, and achieving the ability to create life. Ellen in the mix of these two forces. I love Sweetie Pie Tie. Best Saul Tie scene for me. It's a really, what a, what, an, what, a, what a poignant way to say that. And what an incredibly awesome point that just conjured like cool imagery in my head of like this a constellation of Ellen floating through space with her arms outstretched with like fucking Cavill at one end and tie on the other. Like, that's a really good way to say it, man. Like her being in between those two opposing forces. It's, that's a really poetic observation, I guess is the best way for me to say it. So good shit out of JD this week. Indeed. Awesome. Of, of each of these, you know, revered Cylons being extremely human and emotional. Right on, man. Very different ways. Totally. Well, good shit, man. Thank you very much for the uh, participation. Welcome to our new pal, Christoph. And um, 
And yeah, I, I got I got nothing else to say, man. I think I'm good. I think I'm ready uh, for next week. Yeah, I'm tapped up. The uh, ready for next week and uh, Paula's revengeance, I guess, is is what I'm going to imagine. Can start that off. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Do you think think guys is catching some rounds? <laughs> I think he he might get some ricochets. I think that's going to happen. I don't think guys is going to get caught though. I think he's making it to the end. All right. Well, next week we will see you for the 17th episode titled Someone to Watch Over Me. All right. We're out of here. Matthew, tell these good people goodbye. Bye-bye. 